Hello there, and welcome to the Roots of Networking podcast brought to you by Hamilton Barnes. Here at Hamilton Barnes, we're a specialist recruitment consultancy in the technology space, covering everything from enterprise networking, telecoms, security, fiber, and more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Women in Tech spin-off series. I'm Eve McKenna, social media executive here at Hamilton Barnes. Today, I'd like to introduce a very special guest, Christina Duda, Director of Intelligent Automation at ACOM. Welcome, Christina. Hi, Eve. Thank you so much for having me here. Of course. Christina has been in the industry for many years now um, and is heavily focused on automation. Alongside her role as Director of Intelligent Automation, she is currently a council member at Vocal Council and an executive committee member at the Intelligent Automation Congress. We're very much looking forward to hearing more about what she does today and how she got to where she is. So let's dive into how did you uh and your current career as Director of Intelligent Automation, how did you kind of get started with that? Kind of what led you to that career? I must say that my journey into the world of intelligent automation has been nothing short of an adventure because I actually started my career in software development. So I was very keen and very technical and I had a chance of building digital uh, applications and I was very focused on this. So for me, coding, debugging and all of this were the key layers of actually providing me some insights on how systems work and everything else. And it's actually something that I actually leverage right now in my job as well, because I have this holistic view of how technology intertwines. Um, after I actually started on the software development side, I transitioned easily towards cybersecurity because it's hand in hand. So I developed um, applications for cybersecurity. And there I learned a little bit about, okay, there are some high stakes at risk because if your data gets lost or if something doesn't work as expected, then you expose yourself to a lot of danger. So I had the possibility of learning about that. And at that moment in time, I was very passionate about cybersecurity. I've done my research and my PhD in cybersecurity, so I was extremely passionate about it. But at a certain time, um, a click came through related to automation. And I didn't know too much about automation at that moment in time. So I actually decided, okay, I need to understand what it is and also figure it out. It's the next step forward for us as a technology. So I took the chance of jumping into the automation space more than seven years ago. And since then, I've just been building and building on top of this. So I've been through the development side. I've been through the technical lead side. I've grown up into leading multiple teams. And now in my current role as the global director of intelligent automation. So it was more about shifting and trying to see where the future sets. And that's how I actually ended up in my role. Amazing. You've kind of, you've really worked through the many areas of technology then, you know, working in software and cyber now, um, i.e. Would you say those like those skills really set you up for success in your current role? I do agree. It provides you a very broad perspective. And I also had the luck of being both a consultant and also an end customer. So you see the both of both worlds and it's very easy to set yourself in the position when you actually have a conversation with someone else. So for me, yes, those were the stones that actually set up the, the career that I am in today. Yeah, I guess now when you're looking at an issue, you're seeing it from from every angle. It's so much easier to kind of like know where to go when you can see those sticking points, I guess. Exactly. So it's 
it's very easy to understand and see how everything moves around and uh, what are the connections between them. Probably if I were at the beginning in the automation space, I wouldn't have considered security so important or data so important. Having this cybersecurity background helped me to understand data better, right? And the same goes for if I were just an automation, probably I wouldn't understand the connections with the other ecosystems in terms of technology. So the software background helped me there in seeing, okay, we might have more in terms of integrating um, applications than necessarily a small piece which is related to intelligent automation. So it does provide me the holistic view that I would need in a global role. Yeah. Did you find that switch from first to cyber and then to automation? Did you find that a difficult um, change to navigate through or would you say it was fairly seamless? For me, embracing change is the key element of how I am and how I am built in. So I've always seen these kind of transitions from one role to another as a possibility for me to learn and grow. So either we were talking about shifting from software to cyber, from cyber to automation, I welcome them. I would say I welcome these changes to my life because I did assume that they are going to make me more adaptable to the technology. So for me, it was just gaining new insights and new skills that I didn't have. So totally an opportunity to grow no matter where you start or what transitions you make throughout your job. Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice. Um, making those changes can be scary when you're stood on one side of it, but you know, with hindsight, like you say, they've they've been such an incredible opportunity for you. They were for sure. Um, so you've been heavily involved in intelligent automation for a while now, um, and you've probably seen quite a lot of good, maybe bad applications of the of it. So I'm really interested to know, like, what would be a really interesting or impressive use of intelligent automation that you've encountered. I want to start by mentioning that uh, a lot of people don't know what intelligent automation is. There's still a lot of confusion when we talk about intelligent automation because automation is a very broad term and um, we include everything in it. We include the software applications, we include the uh, APIs, we include testing automation, we include the uh, scripts, we include all of this. But uh, when we talk about intelligent automation and the piece that I'm focused on, we talk about um, software robots combined with natural language processing, with machine learning. Um, so adding a little bit of uh, knowledge on top of the solutions that we've built to be able to do end-to-end -end, um, automations. And we also talk about the intertwine with the outside world that people don't see it. So we talk with uh, smart devices, we talk about collecting data, we talk about a computing edge. So we talk about all of these components. Um, intelligent automation is everywhere. People don't necessarily see it as that, but it's absolutely everywhere. So to give you a, one of the examples, um, for instance, the way we actually have right now the irrigation systems, right? And the data we collect to make sure that we don't waste water. Um, the sensors there transmit information to a software robot that's able to analyze and apply an algorithm on top of it to determine what quantity of water those particular uh, fields would need further down the line, considering also the weather. So they also get the data from, let's say, specific websites for the weather itself, and then being able to adjust the sensors that are in the field. So it's actually a, a very interesting combination on how you can put everything together to address some challenges that we don't necessarily see as, let's say, critical. But from a sustainability perspective, environment perspective, agriculture perspective, this is something that we couldn't afford or we couldn't envision 10 years back. 
Absolutely. What a what a far reaching application as well. I mean, yeah, like personally, that's so interesting to me. And, and the fact that, you know, like agriculture is such a big part of 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 production. Um, yeah. To think that that could be streamlined so perfectly. must That's pretty satisfying to think about. It is. It is. And again, intelligent automation sits at different layers. You can see it also in the process, in the business processes. So some people may not get, let's say, the benefit of working in industries such as agriculture, manufacturing or supply chain. But even in finance, even in these sectors where we have a lot of transactions and operation activities, it actually streams like streamlines so much everything that the people are doing that it allows you to be able to do more creative tasks, being able to actually See the impact and value you can bring to an organization, not just typing in something or some, let's say, doing some calculations that the robot can do for you. <laughs> Would you say that's maybe like one of the drivers that you have being in the role, like trying to optimize something so that it's more uh, sustainable or, you know, uh, more eco-friendly or just in general, would you say that's kind of like uh, something that you like to do to like um, to streamline a process to make it more um, worthwhile? It's a combination. Um, one of the key um, values or one of the key uh, factors that I take into consideration when I look at automation processes is how can I make the people's lives better? Because a lot of people get bored of doing repetitive tasks. You don't necessarily understand if that's going to change in 10 years or not. So it's about improving people's lives and being able to offer them something to augment their creativity. And the second one is what impact do I have on the society side, on the society and environment aspect? Because even if we don't necessarily realize it now, because we are in a very um, over-evolving landscape, in the near future, we're going to face these challenges. We're talking about world heating already. We're talking about the warming. We're talking about so many things. So it's very important for us to understand what's the impact on everything around us, the world itself. So mainly that is it. Definitely it's something for the future because it's not something that we can do right now. But I do have no. those in mind whenever I envision, OK, what intelligent automation can do as a scope overall. Yeah, well, that's very noble, very noble indeed. Um, moving on to the present day. So in your current role, what are the kind of uh, challenges and responsibilities that you're facing on a daily basis? Well, um, I think it's uh, very important to understand that my current role involves staying ahead of everything that's happening in the technology space. So if there was a line to add it next to my title would be stay ahead of the curve. That's all. <laughs> because um, everything is constantly changing and everyone mm -hmm. is coming back and looking at me in terms of, OK, how do we adapt? How do we innovate? How do we apply this technology or this technology? So mm -hmm. mainly the challenges are how do I um, manage my time to be able to focus on the strategy that we already have in in terms of delivering value, but at the same time being able to continually push some boundaries and use the new upcoming technology so we can actually create more and more and redefine the business lines, the business services and everything that we do. So it's a challenge and an opportunity at the same time because you never get bored and you always get new technology to play around with. But at the mm -hmm. same time, you need to make sure that that technology is not just used for the sake of being used. It's actually bringing value to an organization. 
Yeah, I imagine that's uh, that's no small feat, staying on top of everything that's happening in the whole of technology. You must you must get a lot of um, yeah, you must you must get a lot of news and information coming your way. And I do keep myself updated. So I love reading in the morning. So that's one of the things that I usually do. And it's very important, even five minutes of information. For me, it's more than enough to at least grasp what's happening and then to deep dive if there's something that is useful for us as an organization. Amazing. Um, now, you're obviously um, the director of intelligent automation at ACOM, which is an incredible position to be in. Um, I'm sure you're no stranger to the fact that the amount of women in leadership positions is, it is increasing, but less than 1% a year, there's not a huge amount of women in leadership positions. Um, do you have any advice on what skills are essential for women who are in a leadership position? Always for women is going to be a journey of achievements and challenges. And I do want to state that because I'm talking from my own experience as a woman in a leadership role. Um, and even if it's going to be completely fulfilling on some sites, we're going to encounter obstacles on the way, but we do have the possibilities to strengthen out of those, let's say, challenges and being able to be more committed to break these boundaries and break these barriers that are right now setting between, let's say, differentiating between women and men in leadership positions. But I do have some key values that I believe are very important or skills for women to succeed in such a role. And I'll start by mentioning that one of them is resilience. As I mentioned, we're in an industry dominated by male. Tech industry can be tough. So it's very important to be able to actually bounce back whenever you have a setback and learn from your failures and keep on moving forward. So resilience for me is a key skill as a woman in this field. It's also about being able to have a critical thinking and being um, looking at the problem solving side. Um, We're going to make very tough decisions and be able to solve very complex issues. With that, um, it's going to become more and more invaluable for us to be able to apply critical thinking to specific activities that we're doing. Um, it's also about effective communication. A lot of the um, skills that we're looking at. It's not just about communication per se. It's about active listening and empathetic communication, which is sometimes missing, unfortunately, when we talk about leadership positions, because otherwise we won't be able to bridge some gaps when we talk with the stakeholders and we do relationship management. And also when you actually want to try a, to build a very strong team. So effective communication for sure is paramount. And um, one of the things that helped me out throughout my career, and I also tell people this, it's find a mentor. Um, I found it incredibly valuable throughout my career and my journey. Um, I had both mentors, women and male, and I actually got a lot of insight and guidance from them. So it's actually one of the cornerstones of my successes. I had amazing mentors that helped me out in following and looking at the path that I actually have. And always keep in mind that um, we're unique as women because we can provide a unique perspective to the table and we can easily talk about diversity also in ideas and experiences. It's not just about gender, so we don't talk only about this. So it's about us being able to adapt, understand how to learn everything that's coming our way and making that impact on the industry itself. So it's communication, resilience, critical thinking, adaptability, and finding a mentor that would be able to help you navigate through this journey. 
Amazing. Would you say that you this is kind of something that you've developed um, over over some period of time, or would you feel like you've had a natural propensity to being um, in a leadership position and having these skills? Everybody's going to be subject subjective and put the filters that they have on themselves, you know, when you ask that question. <laughs> so from my perspective, um, it came naturally. I love engaging with people. I am a people's person. I look very much at both sides, technical and soft skills of people. And I, I, I found myself in the position where I was extremely curious about learning about neuroscience and how do I interact with people and how am I able to have an impact on people? So having that focused and having the technical background for me, it came naturally to move towards a leadership position in a tech. Absolutely. Well, you can see you can see why. I mean, I think your um, ability, like you say, to be a people person, to converse with people, I think that shines through to see that where you got to where you are today. Um, and I know that a lot of women who listen to this podcast, um, this is kind of one of the things they're always thinking about of, of how can I get to that position and how can I break that barrier? Um, so it's great to hear you talk about that. Enjoying the conversation so far? Interested in following a similar career path? Why don't you take a look at our jobs page where you'll find your next opportunity. Head to www.hamilton-barnes.com forward slash jobs. I know we touched a little bit on it earlier about um, intelligent automation and how it can be commonly misunderstood. Um, and not a lot of people fully understand uh, the whole scope of it. I'm not going to lie. It, I, I only know a very small amount and most of it goes over my head. But um, what do what do people commonly misunderstand about your field of work and, and what do you wish people knew? Um, people think automation is going to completely replace humans. And that's not true. <laughs> so the main challenge we are going to face and we faced in the past, it's here and it's going to continue to be around here because technology keeps evolving is the fact that people are replaceable. Mm. Human knowledge is not replaceable. It's the best asset we can have as an organization, as, as a way of working. So nobody is going to completely release people and say, let the technology come in. Okay. So whenever we talk about automation, I honestly hope that people will understand it's more about collaboration between humans and technology to mm. actually maximize human potential. Okay, so it's like um, I had a very close mentor that told me that you need to take the human um, out of, let's say, um, the other way around, take the robot out of the human, right? <laughs> so make sure that the robot part sits with a robot and the human part sits with a human. So mm. it's more about this. It's understanding that it's it's all about not just technology, but it's about problem solving. It's about innovation. It's about us making a more connected place and not necessarily having all of these, let's say, segregations that we see right now throughout all of the regions in the world. Wow, that is something to look forward to, less segregation. <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing. So moving on to the future, um, what advice would you give to professionals, especially women, who are looking to work in the field of intelligent automation and they're looking to find success? There are a few steps that I believe are crucial and one cannot leave without another. So I'll, I'll start by telling you about a few of them. And one of the most important ones is embrace the concept of lifelong learning. You're mm -hmm. always going to learn in this industry. You need to unlearn, relearn, 
and relearn and always stay up to date. So it's very important to have an open mind to new information, courses, and being able to embrace your failures as an opportunity to actually grow from it. Also, that's very tightly connected with that, what I was mentioning about neuroscience and having a growth mindset. If you have the ability to develop skills and knowledge over time and having that mindset to grow, you're definitely set on the path for success. Um, all of this will not work if you don't have a support system, so networking is vital. Building a strong professional network that can open doors, provide mentorship for you, exposes you to a range of perspectives, opportunities, everything. So don't be afraid to reach out to mentors and peers in your fields. You'd be surprised of how many people are actually interested in helping out and propelling the industry further down the line. And it's also about, um, and I had difficulties in finding that, but it's a challenge and I do encourage women to, to be able to take the time and do that. It's about being authentic. Mm -hmm. Always seek to find your unique voice and perspective because being a woman in tech doesn't mean to actually fit within a specific mold. It is about embracing your individuality, understanding that we all have diverse backgrounds. You don't need to be a software engineer to end up in this position. And we all can have viewpoints that are actually going to be extremely innovative. So be as authentic as you are and never change that just to fit in a specific role or job. And um, probably last, it's about don't let the failures define you. Let them refine you because you learn from it. So there are always opportunities. I see those as coming back stronger and stronger because the next time you know, you won't apply the same errors that you've made before and you learn from those mistakes. So it's all about refinement, not definement. I love that. Yeah, it's so true. Failures always teach you more than the things that you do right first time um and there's a lot of a lot to be learned there um with the networking you said um that it can be a challenge sometime and that it was a challenge for you at, at times do you have any advice for people who are potentially trying to reach out maybe where can they go um to meet people or how did you kind of break through that barrier um, it can be in different ways. Totally depends on the type of personality that people are. Um, if you're an introvert, it's going to be easier to reach out via a conversation or a text to someone or an email. If you're an extrovert and you have the ability to communicate easier, you can do it at events. Um, for me, it was a combination of both. Um, I started forming my network by participating at different type of events. Um, I started with small workshops where I gained um, a little bit more comfort in engaging and talking with people. And then I started going to larger and larger events. And um, the last one that I've been had around 30,000 people. So wow. I keep on going to all types of events and exposing myself to people with different background and different in history so I can actually learn from everybody. Um, when it comes to the other side, the reaching out via email or something like that, I did found a person that was inspiring for me and I emailed her and asked her if she could be a mentor for me. So it truly depends on what you prefer, but just so you know, the toughest step is to actually do the first step. So if you really want something, just take the first step, go to the first event or draft the first email and send it out because from there onwards, you already 
take an action from your side and it's the other person's decision if they're going to actually engage or not. Mm, take some of that pressure and stress off of you because you've done the hard bit. You just have to wait it out. Exactly. I'm curious, was your did your idol become your mentor, that person that you emailed? Yes, she did. And I oh. had some very interesting and um, enlightening sessions with her. And uh, <laughs> she's one of the persons that helped me out in uh, reaching that event that I was telling you about 30,000 people and not being afraid to actually go through there and uh, oh. positioning myself as a director, as a woman in, in tech, for sure. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, have you had the opportunity to mentor any women um, yourself? Yes, and I do. I do love doing that. So for me, it's all about um, fostering the next generation of leaders. So I do provide mentoring for women and I have uh, in my calendar on a weekly basis, a list of people that I mentor um, and I take my time to work together with them and to help them break these barriers that we're talking about and how they can advance in the tech world. Amazing. There is nothing I love to see more than women supporting women. So that sounds amazing. Um, I know we touched on it a little bit earlier and you said that you are constantly learning. So I imagine that this is something that is just ingrained into your day to day. Um, but um, how do you approach it? How do you how do you get your head around all of the constant things that must be coming your way? And, and how easy is it to sort through those things and know what could be useful and know what's not not really relevant? Um, whenever I look at it, for me, continuous learning is a lifestyle. That's how I define it. It's my lifestyle for sure. I'm always going to read, I'm always going to attend events, and I'm always going to collaborate with peers. Um, I, I grasp all of the information that I need um, in reading extensively, and at the same time, very um, in a very short time frame whenever I attend events, because then you get one, two, three days of a lot of information, uh, very concentrated, but very useful for you. When it comes to dissemination, you may not always know what's best for the organization or not. And then it's where my group of peers come in together because I have the lack of sitting on different boards and different councils. We brainstorm together if what are the risks, what are the challenges, what are the opportunities? Is this good? Isn't this good? So I have the possibility to use them as a soundboard whenever I want to propose something further down the line. Amazing. Um, do you have any skills or technology that you're currently uh, invested in or thinking about or excited to use? Um, I've mentioned about um, AI and generative AI because that's on everybody's list. So everyone you're going to ask in the technology industry right now, everybody's going to invest in understanding generative AI. So for sure, I'm deep diving into that space. I do believe it's critical to invest also on the other side, on the soft skills. And as I mentioned before, I'm really um, deep connected to the spectrum of neuroscience. For me, it has been a revelation. Um, I work and understand the human element, the emotions, how we can actually connect it with the technology, how we can make human-centric automation solutions, um, understanding more about effective communications, the way we transform, the way we implement technology. So neuroscience for me is the second part where I'm actually really invested in and I'm doing now my master certification in that. So I'm a neuroscience coach practitioner right now and I'm moving to my second level. 
Wow, congratulations. That's Thank amazing. You. I mean, the the you don't think about it off the top of your head, but when you think when you do really think about it, psychology and, and neuroscience, they have such close ties to uh, automation, to AI, to cybersecurity, because a lot of these things do come down to like how humans interact with it. It's so interesting to think about like that crossover. I'm sure you must be enjoying enjoying learning about it. Very much, actually. And um, I'm lucky enough to be in an organization where they see the potential of combining the two of them. So we do have a lot of um, trainings that are following up on the idea of focusing on humans and focusing on technology as well. So it's very important to future proof your workforce and um, whoever has that vision, it's going to take one step forward in in being and having a competitive advantage. Absolutely. Um, and then finally, moving on to the last question, um, you've obviously achieved so much in your career, um, but is there anything else that you would like to achieve, anything you haven't had a chance to explore yet? I do believe that one thing that I left a little bit on the background uh, with uh, my role and everything that I've done so far, um, for me, I teach at the university, I teach about blockchain um, at master for um, students. And one of the things that I would like to do as we progress further down the line of intelligent automation is to actually create a closer relationship between universities and the industry. Uh, we do have a lack um, talking about the country where I'm based in, but also in terms of markets and industries and skills. And because we have this tech industry that's so rapidly evolving, you don't have students that can actually learn it from um, the university itself. So I believe that working closely with the university as um, from an organization perspective, uh, explaining what are the skills needed and being able to introduce in their curriculum some mm -hmm. key emerging technologies is actually going to uh, be a win-win for universities because people are going to be passionate and they know that they are going to find a job once they exit the university, but a win for the industry because we can get the workforce of very um, strong people with a solid foundation that actually understand what are the needs of industries overall and not just theoretical aspects. How viable would you say that is? Do you think that there's a big kind of push from, from the government and the schools? There is a combination between private companies and government, but there is a, a realistic step forward into that direction. And I also want to raise it for all of the vendors that have created universities and academic alliances because they do offer the tools for free for students to be able to actually learn from it. So what I'm seeing right now and everything that's happening as a trend, it's definitely going the right direction. The courses are not yet mandatory. They're optional for universities, but even that it's one step closer to what we're actually trying to achieve. Amazing. I can tell how um, how passionate you must be about this subject. I guess as a as a teacher, as a lecturer on the on the front lines, um, you probably see in really closely how a lot of this stuff lands and how effective you know the education is is for becoming you know like a director of intelligent automation or getting to where you are today um would you say that there like is a strong um um like push for this among the among like the student population Students are so inspired by new tech and they're so um, attracted by new tech because 
they want a purpose. So all of the generations that are coming right now are actually looking for a purpose to work for an organization because we've broken the boundaries. Now you can work everywhere around the world. So what's the purpose, right? What do you offer them back as an organization for them to actually come and work for you? So it's all about having a purpose and the impact that they have on an industry or on an organization. So they're actually really excited and being able to learn new things because they know they are going to have an impact and a purpose for the industry itself. It's a win-win exactly. <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> amazing. Um, amazing. So that's the end of our past, present and future progression of your career. And it was really interesting to hear a bit about that. So thank you so much for sharing, Christina. Um, now moving on to the quick fire questions. We call them quick fire questions, but please feel free to take your time. Um, <laughs> there's no, there is no time pressure. Um, do you have a book recommendation for our viewers um, and why? Yes. One of the last ones that I actually read and le left an impression on me was um, Yuval Noah Harari, um, Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind. I do recommend oh. it because it's about the history of us as a species and how we actually shaped throughout the time in the world. And for me, it, it actually expanded a little bit my perspective because I do make connections between technology and humans and everything else. So it's it's the way that I see that challenges we face in technology and automation are just a larger part of a human narrative. So every time we have human centricity and then you add everything around it. So that evolution is impressive when you read about it and understand how humankind evolved and how we can actually evolve further down the line. I actually just started reading that book. Oh, see? <laughs> yeah, everyone recommends it to me. Everyone. <laughs> it's, it's like really good books. So yeah, I've just started just started that one. Um, do you have a morning routine? Um, I I do, yeah? and I need to what thank, like? thank Andrew Huberman for that. Whoever didn't listen to the <laughs> podcast of Andrew Huberman, please do listen in to their to hit his podcast. So. Um, I start my day actually waking up at 7 a.m. and I go for a walk or a jog with my dog. I have a Labrador and she has a lot of energy, so I really need to keep her trained. So we go outside for one hour and then I come back. I start doing journaling. I do journaling for almost 10 minutes. Then I get into a cold shower and then I actually pour my coffee to be able to start and work on the day. So this is how I started. And the first thing that I do, I read the news related to the tech space. Wow, what a great morning routine. I can imagine your laboratory. It took me that. some while. <laughs> so it, <laughs> it, it didn't came naturally, that's for sure. Oh, that's such a I also listen to Andrew Huberman's podcast. That's his thing, is that you get up and you see the sun within the first like ten minutes of, of being awake. It's supposed to be really good for you. Um that is a really good, really good advice for anyone listening. That is such an amazing podcast. Um what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, I live by this mantra. It's a philosophy for me. Embrace change. It's the only constant in the world. So everything is going to evolve around us. Change is essential. And keep in mind that everything, every challenge, every disruption, every transformation, it's an opportunity for us to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. Change is the only constant. Very true. Um, what's the one thing that you couldn't live without? Um, depends. 
if I were to say from a career perspective, professional perspective, I cannot live without my notebook. Um, so I usually take a lot of notes. I uh, put ideas, um, strategies. I map my journey. I look or what do I want to do in three months, six months, nine months. So I actually have a lot of details in that notebook and it actually helps me stay a little bit more organized and focused with all the digital chaos that I have around me when it comes to technology. But if you ask me on a personal level, um, in my life, I cannot live without my support group. So I have around me and I'm lucky enough to be surrounded by people that I um, have as mentors, colleagues and friends, and they are a source of inspiration for me and growth. And they remind me every time that throughout any journey, you're not alone and you have people around you that are going to help you grow into, into that journey that you're actually pursuing. Beautiful. And finally, what is the most memorable trip or vacation that you've ever taken? Recommended to everyone. Vietnam, it's an amazing place for me. It's where my heart is. And if I ever have the possibility to relocate, Vietnam would be my choice. Um, <laughs> I do believe it's a combination of history, nature, and culture. It's breathtaking for me. I went there, I did a hiking expedition. Um, I went through something called the uh, Red Queens River, where you have like uh, red um, soil that pours throughout the river and you get to walk around there and actually explore it and take it in. Um, wow. For me, it was impressive and it had something that had a lasting impact and it's the first thing that I always think about when you ask me about a memorable trip. Oh wow have you been there many times? Uh, only once but I do plan to go next year as well but I've stayed there for almost three weeks so I did enjoy wow. everything that I could from Vietnam. Wow I haven't had a chance to go there yet but I have always wanted to go so it must be worth it. Definitely I recommend it. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Christina, for sharing your story and your journey and your advice. Um, I know that there's so many people out there listening who we take so much from this episode. So thank you again um, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. And again, you're just one click away from the dream you're actually trying to achieve. So reach out and talk to people because otherwise nobody is going to do that for you. Amazing. Thank you, Christina. Hamilton Barnes thanks you for listening to today's episode. Whether you're looking for that next big opportunity or looking for like-minded people to join your team, we'd love to hear from you. So please don't be shy, get in contact. We look forward to hearing from you. Call us on 0207 808 1415 or email us at hello at hamilton-barnes.com.